find identity and meaning in today's world? What does it mean to be loved and sent? Why do so many non-Christians have misperceptions about Christianity, and how can we address them? Join us today as I interview Reverend Jeff Plater, author of Loved and Sent. He shares his own quest for identity, meaning, and shares stories of important people who have impacted his life. Reverend Clater is the senior pastor of Christ Memorial Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministry and your host for today's program. Thanks, Reverend Clater, for being my guest today. Thank you, Kay, for having me. Well, tell our listeners a little bit as we get started about your family, and then I'm going to ask you a little bit about the book. Sure. Um, I have four kids and a wife, uh, 11 down to three years old. And uh, it is a full house and lots of activity. Uh, But I've been married to my wife, Bobby, for uh, coming up on 16 years and Valentine's Day today. Um, I did not get her flowers today. I got her flowers last week because I messed something up. And so I got her flowers last week. Um, And I do that occasionally. And I'm grateful for her graciousness with me. But um, yeah, we live in South St. Louis here and have been in St. Louis for about 12 years. Wonderful. And... um it, it is very appropriate that we talk just briefly about Valentine's Day, since your book is called Loved and Sent. Now, it's, it's definitely talking most about God's love for us, but um, it, we need to love each other as well, not just married couples, but every couple. In fact, today I saw on Facebook somebody was reminding all of us to be very sensitive to the people that surround us that maybe don't have a significant other on Valentine's mm. Day. It can be a, uh, something that may upset them or depress them. So we need to be concerned to love them yeah. and uh, remember that. So very good. Yeah. Well, tell us why you wrote the book. Um, these two words have bubbled up for me personally and in my ministry really over the last 10 years. And it got to a point of saying, well, I think there's enough here to say that this is a message worth sharing. So in our church, we have come to these two words as a simple, concise way for us to talk about uh, who we are as a people. And uh, as I talk about in the book, really ide- uh, identifying really from the ground up identity and purpose. Those are just base human needs that we all have. And so, you know, not that talking about uh, salvation or sanctification are bad things, but we kind of taken a view from the bottom to say, let's let's start from the bottom, the base uh, human needs that we have, that everybody has, identity and purpose, and now begin to answer those um, from our Christian perspective, perspective in very simple words. So it came really from our ministry together as a church. That's great. I loved it, by the way. I love the stories. You're a wonderful storyteller, and most of the stories were real stories, uh, not made up, things, people that have impacted you a lot about your own personal life and your your wife and your children. But you also brought in God's Word and what it means to know God and who He is and how He loves us. And I just really appreciate that. You You tell us about several people in the book. And um, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about Brandon. Uh, sure. Uh, just to back up for a second, telling, uh, being a bit transparent was a, was a critical decision I made in writing the book. It would be one thing for a pastor to write about content, about you know, whether it's the theology or God's word. Um, 
But early on, I made a critical decision to be very transparent in my own life because uh, I felt that that was important, even though it was maybe a little harder to do. Uh, and one of those stories, as you mentioned, is uh, is Brandon, who I met um, as a as a younger man, and he was about nine years old when I first met him at a church in North St. Louis, a, a neighborhood, a part of our city that is uh, kind of notorious for crime and and blight, uh, definitely an urban area, and just developed a friendship, a kinship, and really a brotherhood that now he is uh, 24 and in community college. And so in the book, I tell a few stories about him because I think my relationship with him demonstrated or, or it was a place where I learned about God's, God's love and really through the eyes of someone else that wasn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um, your listeners can't see me, but I'm white and he's black. And uh, he grew up without a dad. I have a, a strong father. We grew up in very different contexts, but it was through that experience with him that I believe we were sent to one another, uh, where we blessed each other, and I, and I just am grateful for that relationship with him. Yeah, and it was wonderful. You kind of wrapped his story as well as several other stories at different times throughout the book, and so um, it's it's uh, yes, when you say you are transparent, you really are. And I I as I read it, I thought I need to be more like that because sometimes uh, when you're in church leadership. It's difficult to just be very open and transparent, but I think that's when people learn best is when they recognize that uh, we are not any more perfect (laughs) than Mm. anyone else. We're all sinners, and that includes me and that includes you. And some of the things that we do or say that maybe uh, we have to apologize for. I appreciate that very much. Um, You also talk at the very beginning about Ava. Tell us a little bit about how you shared her story and what kind of things she was thinking about Christian, mm-hmm. Christians. Well, I, I framed the whole book around a conversation at the very beginning between two people, and uh, between Jacob and Ava. And Ava is, uh, in many ways, represents probably a lot of people that we might know and that our, your listeners might know, uh, people that maybe have grown up distant from the church and distant from the Lord who may be even antagonistic. And so uh, I frame the whole book around questions that she's asking. Namely, um, as she's meeting with Jacob, she's kind of wondering, who who is this guy, this Christian guy? Um, this is especially important as I part of my ministry is among millennials or young adults. And so I, I address the issues with Ava of, of not just unbelief, but also her sexuality. Um, as a, a self-described, she calls herself a lesbian atheist. And I think it was important for to let her kind of frame the questions rather than us or me coming in as a pastor and saying, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. But right from the introduction, she frames the questions that then uh, we have to respond to. And she says, who are you and what are you about? And uh, I think that's more realistic in our own lives as Christians that we take people where they're at. Right. And we have to listen before we speak Mm -hmm. many times. So why do so many non-Christians today have misperceptions about Christianity, and what can we do to address that? Uh, that's a good question, and there are probably multiple responses. Um, I think we can only control the responses that, um, that there are certain things within our control, and I think in, in many ways, I think we have to repent as Christians of that misperception because we have said things or done things that uh, give them good reason to. And so uh, a good friend of mine says that as Christians, we need to um, shut our mouths and open our ears more. And, uh, and as you said, listen. And uh, you know, he mentioned 
uh, to me as well. Kind of a, this is actually a Young Life tagline. Uh, the Young Life uh, student ministry is earn the right to be heard. And oftentimes we don't earn that right. We just speak. And when we don't listen first, we end up saying things that can be hurtful or provide those misperceptions. So there are a number of reasons, but I, I look at that in my own life, my own ministry as a critical one. If we just listen first, I think we can avoid a lot of those misperceptions. Right. Now, in the book, you also talk a lot about your life and how you uh, grew up in a Christian family, how some of the questions you had, um, who are you and why do you matter? Um, just uh, share maybe one or two of the things that you shared in the book that maybe our listeners would be interested in. Boy, I, I, I've actually stepped away from the book, so oh. I don't remember what I wrote. Well, but it was no, about just, you, so you I'm won't forget. <laughs> well, um, yeah, the base questions are, are who am I and, and why am I? That's a, that's a purpose question. And so um, my contention is that we as Christians have to have answered that question for ourselves before we can answer it for someone else. And a lot of times we're answering it for other people when we really haven't thought deeply and prayerfully about who we are. And certainly, uh, fundamentally, our identity is in Jesus Christ. But kind of uh, fleshing that out more and then relating that personally to our lives and our own development. So I share a story about my adolescence and uh, kind of an embarrassing story about a junior high dance. And it was a a moment of, as we maybe have all experienced in seventh, eighth grade, kind of embarrassment. But then with that comes the thought of, uh, and does anybody care about me? Do, do I belong anywhere? Does anyone get me or understand me? Those are just basic questions that we all ask at some point and that we maybe stop asking but are still wrestling with as we age and mature. And so I, I just shared that as a way to kind of get at, um, you know, what have you wrestled with that? And how do you, uh, have you come to terms with kind of those, those basic questions of where do I belong? Who am I? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Well, you, you also talk about who is God and you uh, have different uh, segments on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but you talk a lot, and I really like this, about why we need to help people understand and help, help us understand that God is a personal God. Talk a little bit more about why God isn't just out there. He, he's concerned about our day-to-day life, and he's a personal God. Mm-hmm. What, what do you share in the book about that? Well, just as much as we're talking about our own identity and purpose, we believe that God has an identity and a purpose. And uh, what I share is really nothing new. I think just we're reclaiming historic Christian belief. And so I share <clears throat> about the Trinity, certainly about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which are all relational as we talk about the, the persons of the Trinity. And so I, a lot of times I think as Christians we um, depersonalize God in our kind of theology talk or d- sterile doctrinal statements and really reclaim the, the personal language that Scripture has um, as the Psalms or the Old Testament talks about our God. Uh, the personal pronoun, he's ours, not just a, a, a blank God somewhere. And we are his people, again, a personal pronoun. And so uh, reclaiming that as a way that's accessible then for the, for the non-Christian as well, to say, this is a personal God who, who's interested in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. I liked a lot of what you ha- had to say about uh, uh, the Lord and what we need to know about him how we need to uh, share how he loves us and how we can be sent. 
Um, in a culture that values productivity, achievement, and success, why is grace difficult to understand? We talk about grace all the time in the church, but uh, why is it difficult for us to understand? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, pretty much in our world, we operate where um, to get something, you have to do something, to get something in return. And we take that in, into our relationship with God as well. So when we talk about our identity, uh, we have to make something of ourselves. So if I want to be respected or successful or loved or admired, uh, I have to be pretty popular or productive. And uh, those are those are ways we do it in junior high, and it's ways we do it even as adults. We just t- it takes on different forms. And so I think there's um, there's always repentance in our hearts as Christians to say, "Am I trying to gain an identity by any other way than by God's grace in Jesus?" And to me, that's that is a, a daily message for us. We don't get over grace. It doesn't. We don't p- pass the class, the 101 class, and move on. But it's uh, it's something we live with daily, and I think we take that for granted. So, constantly resting resting in really that that first word loved. It's a passive word. Mm-hmm. It's not love, but first of all, loved passive. Good, good. good. I'm going to uh, transition, make a few announcements, and then uh, we'll continue talking about your book, Loved and Sent. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Being an Everyday Missionary. To receive the free booklet, call our response center at one 877 8416 or email us at witness at If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash thriventchoice or call them at 1-800-847-4836. If you've already signed up, remember that you must re-sign up each year before March 31st. We invite you to become a Family Shield Spiritual Warriors Monthly Giving Club member. All donors who give $5 or more per month are part of this club and will be recognized on the radio program annually. You can give on a monthly basis by sending a check, by signing up to give a specific amount at your bank, or by signing up through our PayPal account on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. Feel free to send prayer requests and program suggestions to us at Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015. St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Now I want to go back to my guest, Reverend Jeff Clater of Christ Memorial Lutheran Church in St. Louis. He's also the author of Loved and Sent. We've been talking about his book, but uh, let's just take a minute before we go back to the book to talk a little bit about your church. I'm sure there's going to be somebody in our listening audience uh, in the St. Louis metro area that's looking for a new church or wants to visit. Christ Memorial Lutheran Church is in South St. Louis off of South Lindbergh. Um, it's kind of hard to find because you took a Target store and redid it. Wasn't it a Target store? Yeah, we're a weird, we're a weird You're church. You're close, yeah. but sometimes people don't yeah, see that you're there. It's a non-traditional space, but yeah, we're, we're occupied, reoccupied a former Target retail space about 12 years ago. And it's a great place. You did a wonderful job of renovating it. So how, if people wanted to visit, tell us about your worship times. Uh, five o'clock Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, eight o'clock, nine twenty, uh, ten forty-five, and then we have a city site in the near the SLU campus, South SLU campus, called Reliant, 
It's at 11.15, and uh, probably the best way is to go to our website, cmstl.org. That's great. And uh, if anybody forgets that, they can contact us, and we'd be happy to connect you to Christ Memorial Lutheran Church. Well, we've been talking about your book, Loved and Sent. If someone wants to order one of those books, I'm sure they can go to Amazon and order it. Um, is there any other way that they can get a copy of the yeah, book? Amazon is easy. You can just find it on Amazon. Um, the publisher, 10th Power Publishing, you can go to their website, 10thpowerpublishing.com. And there's a landing page there as well that has all of the – it's on all the e-formats. You can get it in different formats or in bulk publishing. Uh, if you want to buy a bulk for a small group or a, a Bible study, you can do that as well. All right, wonderful. Well, as we go back to talking about your book, A Loved and Sent, second half, we're going to talk about scent. As I read through the book, and there's so much more that we haven't been able to touch on, I loved the stories about your children and um, where you have them in school and a little bit about, I think it was one of your daughters that shared Jesus with one of her classmates. Do you remember that story? And can you kind of share it with our listeners? Sure. My kids go to a school uh, where they are, they're a minority. And again, uh, your listeners can't can't see me, but I am uh, uh, Anglo. I'm white. Uh, my kids are in a school where they are a, a minority. And so um, that was important to us uh, uh, to, to meet other kids, especially as pastor's kids. You can be in a bubble. And so they have their own identity apart from the pastor's kids at the school they go to. And it's an urban charter school in South St. Louis uh, called Eagle College Prep. And uh, in that, they've developed lots of relationships and friendships, and um, uh, some of them are, are challenging. In particular, my daughter, and I think I share this in the book, uh, my oldest, um, had some issues with bullying with a particular young man. And as a father, um, I, you get protective about that. You want to start working out and going on steroids to get big and intimidating. Uh, I'm a tall, skinny guy, but uh, wanted to go and... Uh, kind of rough a fourth grader up. And then I thought, no, that's stupid. <laughs> what, I, what, what am I talking about? And do I trust God enough with my daughter to say, she's going to be okay. She can she'll work through this. And, and a learning experience for me as much as her. And uh, finding out really that she was sent to uh, this young man, a fourth mm-hmm. grader who had some issues at home, a single mom who had some issues herself, and that he was exhibiting things that from his, his own lack of an identity and purpose and it dawned on me, maybe my daughter is uh, is sent to him. And then you kind of look at, you know, maybe I don't like the word sent as much as I thought I did. But I'm, I'm sold out on it even when it's difficult. I believe God sends us to, to people who are in need of his love, uh, especially when it's difficult. My daughter helped teach me that. Yeah, and the children can teach us a whole lot. Can't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. Now, another story I think was, uh, I don't know if it was the same daughter, but a little um, Muslim child that she said, I told him about Jesus. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah, my my oldest as well. And you know, as you know, as we get older, I have a, a sensitivity, especially in our context today. Uh, gosh, you told a you told a Muslim kid yeah, about Jesus. Can you do that? And um, <laughs> but really, again, her uh, boldness and confidence was, you know, I I I preach this, but then do I do I really do it and believe it? Well, my daughter was kind of convicting me. In that herself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, uh, you have several uh, different points in your chapters on how do we go? How do we go after we know this God that loves us? How do we share our faith with others? And that kind of is wrapped throughout the book. 
But you talk about why building relationships is so important. Uh, Talk a little bit about why we need to, you already mentioned this, earn the right to be heard. But why is building a relationship so important as we go Mm -hmm. and share God's love? Yeah. The um, and I'm particularly coming from probably a, a bit of a millennial context. I'm sort of on the on the bridge between a millennial and a Gen Xer, but much of my ministry has been with um, young adults or even youth, and so I have that lens. And as I look at them uh, today, our kids are so inundated by uh, technology, and there's a sterile nature to that, which which I s- see come out in their lives as they're craving. Uh, community and relationships and real relationships. Uh, with so much technology and media, uh, they quickly see past um, if they're being sold something. And so that's why you hear words that uh, even in the marketing world of wanting an authentic experience. And so I think that as Christians, we need to leverage the fact that we've always been a relational movement. Um, one man hung out with 12 guys for three years. Yeah. And we can do that. And so let's do that. And uh, building trust is incredibly important. So in the book, uh, Ava, working with a lesbian atheist, uh, she's not going to respond necessarily to a if you just hand her a book or a track or a, a billboard. But who is she? You've got to get to know her. And, and Jacob sits down with her in a diner and says, um, and, and here's her out first before he says anything. That builds capital. Then what he says, then when he speaks, uh, now she's, she's going to listen because – uh, she's developed uh, some trust with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. And relationships. I love that you said Jesus just hung out with 12 disciples because they were with him for over, wasn't it three years? Mm-hmm. I mean, just all the wonderful stories of God's word and that he taught them because they weren't always doing what was right. Sometimes they were denying him. Um, Peter tried to walk on water, which was really awesome that he actually did for a short time, but then he took his eyes off of Jesus and went right back in and saved me, Lord. So um, it's always awesome to see and look at all of these stories that these men, these 12 disciples, apostles, they weren't perfect by any means. I mean, Peter was denying Christ, and yet, you know, people look at him and say, well, he's the leader of the church. He is the leader, but he wasn't perfect, and Mm -hmm. we aren't perfect. Uh, You also talk about be okay with questions, and I love that because uh, I enjoy when, when especially when you get into a Bible study with unchurched people, and I've been in many of those, uh, they have so many sometimes just basic questions about God, but maybe sometimes they're going to be difficult questions. So how are you okay with questions, and why do we – how do we learn how to be okay with questions? Yeah, our default is to be defensive, mm-hmm. to get the right answer right away. And so um, I think that that can be a turnoff. Uh, if, if there's not the safety to be able to ask those questions, they, they won't ask them. That's right. And uh, they may not want to hang out with you either right. for that matter. But I think the, the biggest thing for me, and even as a pastor, I, uh, with any training that I have, I mean, there, there are going to be things that are difficult to answer or that I can't. I'm unqualified. It's beyond, it's beyond me. And so uh, in those moments to realize that I don't have to defend God, uh, he does a pretty good job of that himself, and it's okay uh, not to know or to let them wrestle in their journey with questions of faith that may not have a tidy answer that they're looking for. And a lot of times we feel like we have to defend or we have to save uh, someone. Well, God does that. Mm-hmm. God does that. And I'm going to try to be faithful 
in what I say and what I do, but there's a limit to who I am. And at some point, I'm, I'm just going to uh, let God defend himself. Yeah. And I think it's fine to say to someone, you know, that's a really good question and I don't know the answer, but if you like me to, I'll see if I can find an answer and then come back with more information. Because obviously, maybe you pastors will have all the answers, but those of us that are lay people don't know all of the answers. And yeah. and I think it's good for them to hear us say, I don't know, but if you'd like me mm. to ask their permission, I'll go look. What else do you want our listeners to know, uh, kind of a, in closing, either about the book or just anything that's on your mind sure. for them? Well, I think the <clears throat> the message of the book is is for you as listeners. And uh, I would just say, I hope it's an empowering message that you are loved and you are sent. And not just the pastor, not just the professional. Uh, It's critically important to the church and to the mission of God today that everybody plays. This is not a game of solitaire where one or a select few are only able to play. And as a pastor, I'm passionate about that. I want to equip my people um, so that they believe that certainly that they are loved by God in Jesus Christ and then sent by him uh, to at least one person. I believe every Christian is sent to at least one person uh, to live out the great commandment and the great commission to be the love of God for that person. And so for, for listeners today, I would just say that that's, uh, that's you. You are loved and you are sent. That's great. That's great. Again, my guest is Reverend Jeff Clater of Christ Memorial Lutheran Church in St. Louis, South St. Louis County, off of South Lindbergh. And um, if you want to learn more about Family Shield, you can go to our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. Don't forget, we're giving away the booklet, Being an Everyday Missionary, which kind of goes along with the loved and sent theme. You can call our response center, one 8416 or email us at witness to family at gmail.com to order that booklet or to have it sent. And um, again, my guest has been Reverend Jeff Clater of Christ Memorial Lutheran Church. We've been talking about his book, Loved and Sent. And uh, one thought that he had in there that I wanted to end with, we are worse than we thought. God is greater than we imagine. I love that. I took it out and thought that would make a great ending for the program. So uh, thank you again so much for being my guest. And um, um, one more time, the website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks again. Thank you, Kay. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.